This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra podcast. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. In New York this week, not everyone could get in still to help celebrate the opening of the Times Square Edition Hotel. The man behind it, someone closely identified with the hospitality industry, it is Ian Schrager, founder and chairman of the Ian Schrager Company. Um, also, when you think of hotels, we think of you. Congratulations this oh, week. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about this new one because I think everyone was saying Times Square, isn't that where tourists go? Uh, well, uh, that's uh, going to change now. Uh, and I think it's a very special hotel, very sophisticated, very simple, uh, very refined, uh, juxtaposed against the boisterous, noisy, disorganized, chaotic, chaotic uh, area down in, in, in Times Square. And when you combine those two things together, uh, magic happens. Uh, and uh, in that hotel, by the way, we have uh, five different restaurants done by a Michelin star chef, the first Michelin star chef uh, in Times Square ever. Uh, it's the first luxury hotel in Times Square ever. And it's the first time that uh, we're going to be creating a multimedia, visual, uh, popular culture, entertainment of everything possible and everything imaginable. Uh, and you hope to bring in a lot of New Yorkers, right? Uh, it's totally geared to the New Yorkers, like every hotel we've ever done. Uh, because uh, when people visit New York, they want to go where they think uh, people in the know of New York right. go. All right, so give us an analog throughout your career to this hotel. Because I think back, one, one of the things I thought about when I saw this was the Hudson Hotel, which is not too far uh, from the from this new hotel. And I wasn't living in New York at the time, but I did get the sense when I showed up to stay there that there were actual New Yorkers hanging out in that bar with the lit floor. So is that something that we could sort of get our heads around when we think about this? Well, sure, but every hotel... You know, we do is uh, it, it geared for the people who live in that city and are in the know, because there's nothing more boring than a traditional hotel bar or traditional hotel restaurant. People want to go where they think cool people, people in the know go. All right. So how did you figure that out? <laughs> To, uh, not intellectually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but how do you? Right. Exactly. Like. Do you use, we talk so much about people using data. How do you figure out what it is that New Yorkers want? You know, I do everything instinctive. Uh, you know, I do everything for myself uh, that I personally like. I see things maybe other people can't see. Uh, connect the dots. Uh, tells me what's going on, where we're headed, uh, what are people reacting to. And I think any creative person, filmmakers do films they like fashion designers do clothes they like, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's it's unusual in a very capital-intensive industry uh, to uh, jettison the data and all that kind of demographic uh, things that I think is irrelevant and just follow your instinct, follow your nose. And that's the way it's always worked for me. All right, so why'd you get into the hotel business in the first place? Because you obviously were in the hospitality business broadly defined, but what took you to hotels specifically? Well, uh, one's a, a not-so-sexy response, and 
The one's a sexy response. Can I just say he's smiling big time? So go ahead. Whichever response you want to go to. I'll give us give both. You both. I'll give you both. You know, uh, for the sexy response, uh, it's uh, the uh, the nightclub business. Uh, the, the goal is taking care of people, making sure they have good good time, they have fun. And that's the same goal in the hospitality business. Uh, the not-so-sexy uh, response is that uh, when we sold Studio 54, we took back promissory notes. And when the guy couldn't pay the promissory notes, we traded his interest in a hotel for our interest in uh, the promissory notes. So, And that was it. You were in business. And it worked uh, out. Yes. What do you like more? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I've said everything I have to say in a strict uh, dancing nightclub kind of place. I, I kind of like the hotel world because it's a combination of everything, sleeping, eating, bathing, dining, dancing, entertaining, working, socializing. It's a kind of combination of everything people like to do. And and now the distinction between all those things are getting blurred. So uh, it's uh, I still have a lot lot to say. Well, and I mean this in in both the literal and maybe figurative <laughs> and wider sense of the word. But hotels ultimately are about intimacy as well, right? Absolutely. And uh, you know, people forget when they go for all the uh, focus groups and the data and the millennials and all that kind of thinking. They they forget it's just uh, it's a business about people right. uh, and and people's desires and dreams and urges. And, and and those things don't change. I mean, everything else changes, but not those uh, human conditions. Right. You talk about, we talk about the animal spirits of the market, you know, that you just react to things and that's just how it goes. And you want somebody to walk in and have a certain kind of reaction, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and it's hard to define it, but we all know it when we see it. We all know it when we feel it. We know when we're in an exciting place. We know when there's glamour and excitement in the air. We know when there's romance in the air. Uh, we know when there's danger in the air, uh, you know, so, you know, it's just uh, kind well, of very obvious thing to me. Well, and, and maybe as an homage to your past, I mean, you're including a club in this hotel, correct? Uh, well, uh, I, it, it's not a, a traditional club. Uh, it's uh, it's a, um, it, a it's very hard to put in a box <laughs> because uh, we, I know we all like to, even with studio, I, when we did that, uh, it was very hard to define what it was. You know, we, we have to see how the people use it, and then we can try and put a name on it. This is for nightlife, and it's also during the day, and it's also for business, but it's a kind of very communal, socializing, visual, invigorating uh, place. Um, that um, The last two nights we've had things there, and it had the same kind of energy uh, that would have seemed it was going to explode uh, that uh, studio had many, many years ago, but it was different. It was a different kind of thing. Right. So, I want to go back to something you said about your instincts, because obviously they're good. I don't think anybody would doubt that. But we also know that instincts are honed. They are refined over time. So, take us inside your mind what how do you do that what do you read what do you look at we know from getting to know you a little bit you're a consumer of many media what do you look at uh i'm a, I'm a consumer of all media 
because I never know when something will give me an impulse for an idea. You know, the um, my um, uh, tech person in in my family is my eight-year-old son, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not from that generation. Uh, but the one thing, you know, I'm never part of the Facebook, never part of any of that, but the one thing I do uh, do a lot is um, Instagram. Why? Because I used to read everything I can get my hands on, every magazine or every uh, book of interest. So a magazine, all the magazines I used to read, they all had great a great editor. On Instagram, there's tens of millions of editors with tens of millions of different viewpoints and ideas. And so I look at that, not socialize, I look at it for ideas. And uh, it's incredible. I'm looking at a magazine with tens of millions of editors. And so you'll go to somebody's millions. Instagram profile and just kind of look through their pictures? Is that what well, you do, or you, what do you, you do? The, the, when you start putting things that you like, yeah. then it kind of builds on itself. And you start seeing, presumably, sort of little trends. You start connecting some dots yes. b- b- among all of those, as you say, editors out there. Yes, and it's. Uh, I find it so stimulating uh you know when i look to instagram i'm not looking to to socialize with someone i'm looking for what other people are thinking and 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 ideas uh, emerge uh from that and i so i find it incredibly stimulating so can you tell us something that you that sort of bubbled up for you from looking at instagram that maybe you've put into practice you know uh um i see the uh well i get that also from my son by the way like I, uh, the other day, you know, my son plays Fortnite, uh, and uh, I didn't realize, you know, what a huge uh, business it was Jeez. and how much money is involved with right. it. And then I saw on one of the, uh, it might have been Bloomberg or, or something else, I saw uh, where w- one of the people who runs a big game company and the, kind of the scope of what's happening with that and how big business it is. And then I was in uh, in Florida, and I, I took my son to uh, a, uh, a virtual reality place, yeah. which is really the next generation, which is, 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 which was probably millions of dollars put into this thing. It's in the very beginning stages. It's changing. So what do we do? We go into Times Square with the Times Square edition. We have a jumbotron outside. Uh, we hire a lot of video and visual artists to put stuff on the jumbotron. We're not selling anything. All we're doing is visualizing art, increasing our presence. Uh, and uh, it's been amazing. Uh, and uh, so, you know, and if I was wrong, no problem. Right. Just, Did your uh, eight-year-old get a consultant fee for that one? Sorry? Did your eight-year-old get a consultant fee for that one? <laughs> My wife will be asking me. <laughs> She's his agent. There you well, go. Listen, you were also part of our Year Ahead Summit here, um, and you talked a lot about co-living as kind of the next wave or next disruptor in terms of the hospitality industry. How do you see that impacting I still the believe world? in co-living, and I still believe in uh, uh, co-working. You know, in the co-working space, there hasn't been a lot of quality, quality product done. But, you know, my theory on on the co-working, by the way, is that, uh, you know, we work in these marble edifices, beautiful office buildings of old, uh, and uh, in our little cubicles. 
uh, and then we go home and, you know, we get on the computer and, and Facebook. So just kind of really a little less personal interaction. So what happens? Co-working comes along. You can work and you can have personal interaction. That, I, I think that's the way things you know, happen, and you can only tell by connecting the dots. And I think, you know, with the living, you know, you, these trends going on about um, uh, younger people um, living home longer, having babies later, um, they don't put the same emphasis uh, on things I did. I couldn't wait to get a car when I was 18. My girls, they don't care, but they don't want a car. They don't want the headache of it. So social things change, and I think the co-living, uh, provided somebody could do a good job of it, and provided somebody, you know, you still have your privacy, uh, uh, and it, but it's much less expensive, which is the benefit of technology, by the way, right? It's less expensive or it's easier. Uh, and I, I think uh, that's the future. Well, you're already, I mean, you're in the hospitality industry. You're doing residential. Are you saying that, Ian, that you would think about doing office? Uh, I think about doing anything that people uh, uh, immerse themselves into and would like something more stimulating, more inspiring, and, and makes them productive. I don't care what that is. Offices, hospitals, retirement homes, whatever that is. It's interesting for me. So you've talked about sort of the through line of your own career, you know, from studio to, to where you are today. Widen the aperture for us a little bit as a society, as, as a people, you know, especially here in New York City. What's the legacy now, so many decades on, of studio? Uh, you know, studio, uh, there were two, uh, um, I think, uh, uh paradigm-shifting events, cultural events uh, in my life, Woodstock uh, and, uh, and, uh, and studio. Uh, I think uh, people don't talk that much about Woodstock uh, anymore, even though that happened uh, you know, a little bit later, but around the same time. And I, I studied about Woodstock in law school, you know, the suspension of laws and what was illegal and so on and so forth. You know, but I, I think I am surprised and I am amazed about the interest in in studio, and what is it about that that uh, people are still fascinated about? And 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 what the only logical explanation I can come up with is that uh, there are very few times in in people's lives where you can uh, experience absolute freedom. Um, there are no ramifications of anything that you're doing. You can be yourself. If there's a celebrity right next to you. Nobody cares. Everybody's there to just let it all hang out and have fun. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I think there aren't many times that you experience it and there wasn't anything you would do that night that you couldn't get up the next morning and, and walk away from. So, otherwise, I cannot come up with an explanation for why the fascination with it, you know, over. Of 42 years later. Can we can we not do that again because of social media? I think about people when they go somewhere, right? Everything is documented. Can well, we not have that kind of space well, again? I think that's, um, you know, what the intellectual uh, 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 people think. You know, it was a different time. New York was different. Uh, you don't have the technology. The demographics were different. But I, I don't believe that. You know, I think everything changes, but, you know, you still have 
Burning Man, uh, where something similar to studio happened. You still have those uh, uh, really cool nightclubs in East Berlin uh, that uh, is happening. Those are the only two. You still have clubs in Ibiza that still still happens. I just think somebody has to find a the current expression of, of that, you know, for a nightclub, which we're not calling it a nightclub, but we think we're playing around and flirting with that at the Paradise Club at the hotel, you know, to, to, to achieve that uh, full full freedom. So, you know, the, uh, the Matt Turnauer, who was the director of the uh, Studio 54 uh, documentary, he doesn't think it could be repeated. Mm. I do. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, because uh, the, the, the hems of the skirts go up and down and, the, the colors change, the haircuts change, refrigerators, automobiles, everything changes. But the basic human condition doesn't change. I think about, we've talked about just workouts, how people are now wanting to come together to work out, to kind of have that sense of community. And I do wonder, because of social media has been so increasingly isolating, whether people will look for places like that where they can just kind of come together with friends or even people they don't know. Yes, it, it is isolating, and, 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 and people will be reacting to that. You know, like they have rave yeah. parties now where uh, people come and uh, they, you know, uh, hundreds of them, and, 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 and they exercise to music, and it's kind of a social thing, but it, there's a serious aspect, you know, to it. So those things change. They evolve. They make left turns, right turns, but... All of those things, to me, indicate there is a desire to socialize. So, so we have a couple of quick questions that we want to ask you. A little, little rapid fire, we like to call it. When you travel, where do you stay? Well, only in the <laughs> public or edition. Okay, if they're not around, though. You know, I, I always try and stay in a place that's stylish, you know, that I, I, I feel comfortable in. Uh, I don't want to stay in a hotel that has fake French antiques and, you know, over-the-top or pretentious or presumptuous. You know, so I like staying in, in, in a hotel not contrived, you know, not something over-the-top, not overzealous design, but something that's kind of tasteful that I feel comfortable in. So, um, you know, uh, but... But there's, there's additions everywhere. I... <laughs> and growing and growing, I know. Exactly. So you talked about taking this macro view and seeing all of the different influencers. But if you had to zero in on one or two people who were really influential in your mind right now, who would it be? Uh, dead or alive? Alive. Uh, alive is more difficult. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know. I think uh, historically it would be Steve Jobs and Walt Disney mm. uh, by far and away. Uh, you know, and they still resonate, obviously, with a lot of people. Their influence still uh, clearly felt. Well, wait, Definitely. Stay with that. Why Steve Jobs and Walt Disney? You know, the and between the two, uh, even though uh, Steve Jobs is uh, more compelling right now because of the technology, uh, Walt Disney uh, did things across a lot of disciplines, not just one thing. So, it, you know, by thinking about it, you know, I I I love what Steve Jobs did. You know, I, I love the marketing. I, I, you know, I love his relentlessness, you know, his drive for excellence, uncompromising. You know, that's the way you do a product and that's the way you create a cult, uh, which that's our goal, creating a cult. Uh, Walt Disney was, but he did so many different things over 
first guy to do merchandising. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did over so many first guy to do those nature programs that we all love. Uh, I mean, he, animations, movies, you know, uh, so they both inspired me. Today, um, I mean, you know, I, today I have a different kind of group. I'm kind of fascinated by uh, the uh, the men that run uh, big, big companies, you know, like, like. Uh, Mike Bloomberg, uh, who I wish would run for president. Uh, like uh, Arnie Sorensen, who uh, yeah. runs uh, Marriott, who's mm-hmm. just the loveliest guy and smart as you know, a whip. I'm kind of inspired by them because it it shows me that um, you know entrep- the skill set of an entrepreneur uh, is not suitable for running a big company nor is it suitable for running the country. Uh, and uh, so those guys, uh, they can run anything. And we have to, of course, say Michael Bloomberg, uh, the owner of Bloomberg LP. And, of course, that this podcast falls under exactly. Bloomberg LP. All right, so how do you relax? Uh, now I really, uh, just being with my family, I'm, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been. You know, I love what I do. It's a job I would take if I didn't need a job. Uh, and uh, And I don't. Uh, and uh, when I'm not working, I, I work very hard, uh, but because I enjoy it, uh, you know, I like hanging out with my wife and uh, and uh, and my five kids. And you like watching news, right? All the time. <laughs> we know that. Can't get enough. Can I just tell a story? Do you mind? I don't know. You've come into our studio before, and we have a lot of monitors in in our uh, radio studio. We have to monitor different networks and feeds. And you walk in, and you're like, how do I get one of these? And we're like, you're Ian Schrager. You can get one. <laughs> it's a dream. Uh, you know. All right. So before we let you go, got to ask you your favorite moment from Studio 54. You know, it's uh, perhaps a little surprising. I remember, you know, Steve and I, uh, I was 29 and I... Steve Rebell, right? uh, Yes. Uh, And uh, I think uh, Steve was like uh, 33 or 34, you know, and up to that point, uh, nightclubs, uh, you know, that was right on the the end of the garage phase of doing nightclubs, like the garage phase of doing rock and roll, the garage phase of doing technology. So, you know, there wasn't, uh, you didn't get on the front page of a newspaper or anything like that. So I remember the opening night, uh, as soon as the club um, passed the the critical point and everything was, you know, working well and so on and so forth, of course, I went home and Steve stayed there. Uh, and so I get a phone call from Steve at 5 in the morning, uh, like uh, exalting that we were on the front page of the New York Post, which is the first, never been been done before with the opening. So it was like, we just couldn't believe it. It's funny, that's one of my f- favorite, favorite moments. And then, of course, I have a lot of them, but um, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll save that hopefully for our future. Maybe we'll have a drink at the new hotel. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> and we'll do that. Ian Schrager, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that wraps up our Bloomberg Business Week Extra podcast. Check out our daily show every day, 2 to 5, Wall Street time. For Carol Masser, I'm Jason Kelly.